were willing to put it to the test to show that our technique was, I don't want to say superior, but more complete than the other styles. He adapted for himself, so a smaller, weaker person was able to do it. He had leverage into the moves. It's a self-defense art against somebody bigger and stronger. It became a quest for my family to find out which style of martial art is the best. Everybody's still claiming that which style is the best, but nobody put it to the test. So Horton created the UFC. He put me as a representative of my family, of the style of Grace Jiu-Jitsu. And by winning three fights in, in the same night without even hurting them, everybody was like, whoa, whoa, hold on, what happened here? Today we find Jiu-Jitsu everywhere in the world. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an amazing guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is a UFC legend. He is the man who got the whole enterprise known as the UFC started. He was the winner of several of the first few UFCs. In fact, I think UFC 1, 2, and 4. I am speaking, of course, of none other. Then the one, the only, the legendary Royce Gracie. Welcome to the show, Royce. Thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> it was actually, actually, it was my father and my brother's idea. My brother's the one that brought UFC to America. He's the one that created the whole thing. I was just a fighter. You were just a fighter. Oh, yeah, the one who won all the fights. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Well, I'm a big fan of the UFC. I'm a big fan of mixed martial arts. I know all about you. I know all about your family. Um, but, you know, most of the folks listening to this podcast, some of them probably would know who you are. Some of them might not. But the folks who listen to this podcast, they're all good people. They're all entrepreneurs. They're all people who go out there, work hard for their families. They want to make the world a better place. They want to help their clients. The reason they listen to this show and they want to learn something uh, that, that could help them in their life and their business. They want to learn some some uh, inspiration, some some strategies. And they don't want to learn from me. They hear from me every week. They want to learn from you. So, But before they can really open themselves to you, man, they got to get to know you. Would you mind just sharing your story with everybody? <laughs> okay. If you don't know who I am, Google search my name. <laughs> That's the easiest way. <laughs> But how did but, you get into fighting? I know, you, you know, how did you decide but, to follow this path? For that, I have to go back in history. Um, my father, actually, hold on, let me go back even farther. My grandfather was doing business with a Japanese gentleman in Brazil. Um, my grandfather was from Brazil. The Japanese gentleman came over from Japan doing business. In exchange of good faith, he taught my uncles the art of jiu-jitsu. Okay. My father couldn't do it because he was very small. Um, he couldn't do a push-up, so he was very weak at the time. So 
he learned pretty much by watching my uncles. And one day, simplified the whole thing. One day, my uncle was late for a class to teach a class. So my father jumped in and told the student, hey, I'm not your instructor, but I can review the self-defense moves, the program that, that we have. So he taught the student a class. The student liked so much that from that day on, he's, when my uncle arrived and it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll replace the class. I was late. The student said, no, no, no. From now on, I would like to take class with him, with Elio Grayson. And that's what my uncles were like, hold on, you've never done this stuff. What did you do? What did you show the student? And he didn't create a new art, jiu-jitsu. He didn't create uh, um, new moves. What he did is he adapted for himself. So a smaller, a weaker person was able to do it. He had leverage into the moves. So you don't have to be big. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to be fast. You, as long as you have leverage, you can defend yourself. It's a self-defense art against somebody bigger and stronger. After that, it became a quest for my family to find out which style of martial art is the best. So that's when they start to challenge other styles because everybody says that their style is the best. Karate says they're the best, Kung Fu said they're the best, and boxing and wrestling. So they went on to challenge everybody. A lot of people in the beginning thought the graces are arrogant. They're challenging people. They're trying to put, to put down the other styles. It wasn't the case. They're in a quest to find out what works and what doesn't. And that's what the birth of mixed martial art. That's what the, the value to do back in the day. Everything goes style back in the day. My brother, Horion, came to America, and he brought the same concept to America. Arrived in America, he noticed that everybody's still claiming that which style is the best, but nobody put it to the test. So Horion created the UFC, and it was an eight-man tournament, so he had to fight three fights in one night with no time limit, no weight division, no rules, no gloves. Everything goes until somebody quit in a cage. And that's when I came in. He put me as the representative of my family, of the style of great jiu-jitsu. And by winning three fights in, in the same night, with no time limit, no weight division, everything goes, all those guys were monsters, chamber of that on their styles, all bigger, stronger. And by beating them, without even uh, hurting them, let's say, without hurting the guys, Everybody was like, whoa, whoa, hold on. What happened here? What does, what does this family have? <laughs> yeah, that's that's that that's amazing, right? I, I remember seeing the fights um, when you were able to take guys who were a lot bigger than you and beat them like uh, Ken Shamrock, right? I wasn't beating them. I was subduing them without hurting them. That's what's more impressive. It wasn't a bloody fight and cutting the guys, bashing their faces. No, it was subduing the opponents without hurting them. That was the beauty. And that was my father. Well, my father's order was before the first UFC. He's like, do not hurt your opponents. I was like, but dad, they're <laughs> trying to then There's no gloves. They're going to be trying to pound me. He's like, you just win with clean technique. Wow. That that's that's amazing. What made your father decide to have that philosophy? 
to show that Gracie Jiu-Jitsu don't have to be aggressive. And that's the difference in between a boxer or a karate guy. He either smash your face and hit you down to knock you out, or he doesn't. With Jiu-Jitsu, I can control my opponents, subdue them, make them quit, and then they get up and they're fine. There's nothing hurt. You see, the bashing, the pounding, the, that's an option. So it's not a, the solution for the problem. Yeah, it's a very humane way to to treat opponents too, right? You treat them like human beings. You don't dehumanize them. It seems like sometimes, not all the fighters, but some of the fighters today, they they get they work themselves up to almost hate their opponent and want to like destroy them. And they talk about that. And I, I don't remember you guys ever doing anything like that. I don't remember you ever being disrespectful to people. You just went in there and you did your business. As a self-defense art, it's a, it's a, the difference is if tomorrow your brother, your cousin, or your father-in-law or somebody in your family gets out of control, drinks too much, or insults you, either you hit them and knock their teeth out or you don't do anything about it because it's hard for you to... That's the difference. You just I can control the person. The person gets out of control. I can control the person without hurting the opponent, the, 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 the family member, or for that matter. You see, I don't, I'm not relying on striking and bashing the, per- the people's face. Yeah, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Um, so... What is it uh, about um, this style of fighting in the UFC that you believe captured the attention and the imagination of the average person? First of it was the idea of we're willing to put it to to the test. Because until then, back in Brazil and then coming to America, nobody put it to the test. Everybody claimed yeah, Kung Fu is the best who knock you out. And then karate comes over and says, no, 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 we're the best. We knock everybody out. But nobody put it to the test. So we're willing to put it to the test. We gamble every day, man. We gamble on that one. What if I lost? Everybody <laughs> will be learning today. <laughs> or you see, what that means. I was like, but so we're willing to test, to put it to the test something that nobody ever done it before. And, and the humane way, second is like the humane way that I was able to finish somebody 30, 40, 50 pounds heavier than me in a fight, in a, no bare, bare knuckle, no rules, without hurting them. And they quit and they get up and they're clean. So that's the second, that's, the, that's what calls everybody attention too. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was pretty incredible, to tell you the truth. When I first saw it, I was like blown away. I'd see you and you were, you know, you look like an average normal person. Yeah, you are fit, you know what I mean? But you look like a regular person. You didn't look like some monster, you know? Paul's attention. I'm 178. And I was fighting guys 20 to 50. And it was like, man, unbelievable. Everybody was amazed because of that, you see. So, but then... Again, it was we're willing to put it to the test to show that our technique was um, I, I don't want to say superior, but more complete than the other styles. 
Yeah. Yeah. And now today in, in, uh, in the UFC and MMA, most of the fighters that are um, able to win are the ones who have, you know, not just necessarily um, striking skills, but have jujitsu skills and grappling skills, right? They, they're able to do jujitsu. They're able to do wrestling. That that's what seems to be the most successful way uh, in fighting these days anyways. Right. Well, on the beginning, was a style against a style. Yep. We were testing out everybody that claims that their style is the best. We get a boxer and put against a karate guy. We get a kung fu guy and put against a judo and wrestling against jiu-jitsu. And we were testing out to see what to, that was a quest to find out which style of martial arts is the best. Today, is not a style against a style anymore. Today, is an athlete against an athlete. Also, everybody, all the stand-up fighters had to learn the grappling techniques. All the grapplers had to stand up and learn how to stand up and fight standing up. So it's more of a who have a better strategy. So that's the, the difference. But back then was more of a who, uh, which style is the best. Yeah, and... <laughs> For me, that's what made it uh, amazing because I was like wanting to see, well, who's going to win? Is the karate guy going to win? Is the boxer going to win? Or is is the jiu-jitsu guy going to win? <laughs> no, it was it, it, it was it was pretty amazing. And it, it became right now, um, this, uh, this sport has become, in my opinion, one of the most popular sports in the world with, uh, you know, there, there's obviously sports like soccer and basketball that are very popular, but U, UFC style fighting, MMA style fighting that you guys popularized took over the world. And during during the um, the lockdowns, the UFC was one of the few sports that was actually still doing, uh, you know, events. So that that allowed people to that maybe normally wouldn't have watched it to watch it, and, and it became even more popular, right? A while ago, was like a, uh, we did a, a study and was a, soccer is the number one sport in the world. Yep. Martial art in general is the number two. Not just one style, but all martial arts in wow. general was number two. So by far, those two are the number of the biggest sports in the world. And it's amazing that uh, it seems like Brazil has some of the best players in both sports. <laughs> oh there's talent people everywhere brazil is just a big country and have more to choose from yeah uh it's um it's pretty amazing uh you know what uh what uh, brazil has given the world in the form of of martial arts and in the form of soccer uh, I mean, right now when we're talking, this is the uh, World Cup time, right? You're going to see the world. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been watching some of the. I'm from Iran originally, so I watched Iran. They got killed by England six two. It was terrible. <laughs> oh my god! But Brazil again is is uh, Brazil and Argentina are scheduled. They do they're like uh, on the polls to be uh, on the finals because they're in the separate brackets. Yeah. So Brazil and Argentina on the f- supposed to be. And there was just a major upset today with Argentina. I know. It's crazy. I Saudi mean, Arabia beat Argentina. You can go to the finals because it's the first round. But 
never knows. It's like martial art, like in a fight, you never know. We I can have the best strategy in the world. And if I, something goes wrong and doesn't work out, my opponent have a better strategy, it take me out of my game and it happens. I know, I know. It was crazy today. It, it, I, I saw the second half of that game. I, I couldn't believe it. I was looking at the score. I'm like, is this right? Saudi Arabia 2, Argentina 1? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. No. Um, no, it's absolutely true. So, um, Royce, once you, uh, you know, finished your competitive fighting days, you uh, you got involved as a businessman and you started to to bring jiu-jitsu to America. Can you talk a little bit about that? What was your uh, thinking and, and passion behind making that happen? Well, I was already in America, so I moved over here. I was 17, going on 18. The wow. first UFC was 20. I was 26 years old when the first UFC happened. And, uh, I mean, after the first UFC, we pretty much doubled the size of the school, the academy. Wow. And then after the second UFC, we doubled upstairs, the second floor. It's, it's like, in the, that's how big it got. And today we find jiu-jitsu everywhere in the world. Every country that has jiu-jitsu from South Africa to Europe to Australia to Hawaii. So everywhere we can find great jiu-jitsu. You can find schools teaching. Um, That's incredible. After the fights, what I do is I travel about seven months of the year right now, teaching all over the world. So I'm very busy with that. Yeah, you, you know, uh, one of the things that we do on the show, we, we talk about someone has, building a brand for themselves and using that to grow the business. What you've done is a fantastic example of exactly how to do that, right? You became known as, you know, the UFC champion, the UFC jiu-jitsu fighter, and that just got a lot of people interested in learning about the sport. And that's how you guys doubled and doubled and doubled and doubled again. And uh, like you said, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is something that's a worldwide phenomenon. I'm going to ask you to put your hat on as a businessman now. Okay. And tell me if there's people listening to this uh, right now, and they're looking for ways to get their message out, become better known there. What would be some advice that you would give them on how they could do that effectively? On the beginning, actually, when Horion first came to America, my older brother, the one that created the UFC, he, he had a very interesting story. He came to America, and I think like the first couple of weeks in America, he was staying in a YMCA hotel or hostel, hot, hot, hostel, and the night shift guard stole his passport, his ticket back to Brazil, and his money. So what? he spent a year in America. They stole everybody's money from the from the from the hotel over there. So the, he spent a year in America, shame, didn't want to call mom and dad and say, hey, I'm out of money. Can you send me some money? Ashamed, he live on the streets, spend handling, sleeping on the streets like a bum, just work on construction, sleep on construction sites and that's how he survived the first year in America until he went back to Brazil, got a law degree, then came back to America again. And that's when he started teaching. The way he started, we start, he started teaching at home in a garage. He got a house with a rental room in a place in, a, with a, in Hermosa Beach. And um, 
this, the person that he rented the room from had some mats. So he put the mats, turned the garage into, into a little small studio and start teaching one person at a time and spread the word of mouth, just bringing students in and a friend tell a friend to bring a friend in and take the first class, introduction class for free. People fall in love, get addicted to it. And that's how he started. It wasn't like he came from America and from Brazil and just create the UFC. No, no, no. So it was a very, that it was, he started from the bar, Ben Hanley on the street. That's incredible. I had no idea about that. Wow. And, and it was a, and it's not people like, oh yeah, the Gracious were famous, not in America. So after after a while, we'd have, we'd have two houses or two, two homes teaching all day long in both places, private classes only, half an hour private classes. Every half an hour, there's a new student. Wow. And then that's when he decided to open up the first Grace Academy. And that was just, there was no advertisement, just friend, bring a friend. And... Uh, Open up the the first Grace Academy. That's when he's figured out. He start thinking, "Hey, what's the best? What would be the best way, the fastest way, to make this school worldwide? It's to put on TV." And a lot of people were against him on the beginning, saying, "There's no way you're gonna put on TV. You cannot fight in the streets. You get arrested. How are you gonna manage to manage to put this on live TV? Two guys bare knuckle fighting." Everything goes, no rules, no way division. It's impossible. Everybody thought it was impossible, and he did it. He figured out the loopholes, the pay-per-view, and and did it, and became the biggest success it is today. But the people that wants to do something, I always say, you have to know what you're doing. You have to know. I don't know. If you don't know how to uh, ride a motorcycle, how can you teach somebody how to ride a motorcycle if you don't know how? Yeah. Just because you never rode a motorcycle before. Once you know how to ride a motorcycle, it's easy for you to teach somebody because you know how to ride. You know how to do it. No, that's very true. You got to know what you're doing 100%. So you got to know what you're doing. But what, what, what do you suggest to somebody who's in a different arena of how they need to think in order to get the type of attention on what they're doing? To get the attention, the fastest way is TV. It's not advertisement. Advertisement is just, uh, we found out the advertisement is just to put on people's mind. Yeah. The bug, like a... Uh, um, advertisement for a drink, any kind of drink. It's like the commercials or a car commercial. It's for the next time you don't even know why you walk in to a truck instead of an SUV, instead of a small car. So because you saw the advertisement that's stuck on your head and you walk into the store because you see, so advertisements work in the long term. It's a, to put it, to brainwash, to put it deep inside your head. But it's not at that moment. So we didn't have that long of a time. We're like, man, we got to do this thing live. We got to put the show live. And that's what Horton did. So the thing to do is find a way 
to get attention to yourself on TV. And these days, you know, TV can be lots of things, right? It could be internet TV. It doesn't have to be the traditional TV that it was back in those days too, right? As long as you reach, that's what happened. After the first UFC, it, it reached everybody from all over the world. Those media from Japan, from Holland, from everywhere, from Australia, from Spain. People came up from Brazil. It's like, whoa, what's going on? And back then, was still like VHS. So I remember people until today, they tell me, man, in Brazil, in Europe, yes, we had to wait for the cassette videos to arrive <laughs> so we can rent it and blockbuster, old blockbusters have to wait, rent it. And there was not, it wasn't even that fast yet. Today, you turn on the TV, you watch the fights everywhere in the world. Yeah, immediately after the fight, 20 minutes later, it's on YouTube <laughs> after the fight's finished, right? <laughs> Know your product. You gotta know your product. Once you know your product that you can talk about, you're not just selling something that you learn. Once you know your product, like we can talk about jujitsu fighting all day. You change subjects, talk about cars. I have no idea what to say about cars. Sure, I don't sure. understand. <laughs> it's not my thing. <laughs> so call my son over here. He'll talk with you about cars all day long. <laughs> But me? Nah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I did karate when I was a boy up until I was about 16. And then I stopped and I intended to go back to martial arts, but I never ended up going back. And now I'm 55 years old. And, uh, you know, our friend Ernie, he's telling me, you should start doing some jujitsu to me. He says, yeah, you should go learn. It'd be good for you. I'm like, I'm 55, man. They're going to they're gonna break my neck. <laughs> you know, those guys. What would you say to a guy like me at my age getting started with something like this? You're not, you're not coming in to fight. You're coming in to learn. So it's a, we're here to teach. If you're going to a school where they just want to put you to the test, eh, if you want to test yourself, nah. It's not because of the age. Even if it was a young person, a teenager, it doesn't matter. A 20s, 30s, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't go in to learn. The question is, why does people want to learn martial arts? That's the question. Most people don't even know why they want to learn martial art. Most people, when, they, when, they ask, when I ask that question, they say, well, because I saw you fight. So what makes made you get up and learn martial art? Well, because I want to, I want to get more flexible. Well, go do yoga. It's much better. Yeah, well, yeah. I, want to get, I want to get stronger. Go lift weights. It will be much better than jiu-jitsu. Well, I want to, I want to, I want to lose weight and go for a run. It would be much better than jiu-jitsu. I want to. Do you see all those excuses? It's the simple excuses. Why they they don't even know why they came in to learn martial art. People, not just jiu-jitsu, but martial art in general. People go learn martial art because it's that bug that's way deep inside of your head, way back there, hidden. Is because you saw something happen. Or maybe something happened to you at one time in your life. Somebody came up to you and said, hey, next time you park a car in front of my house, I'm going to beat you up. Get out of here. And you didn't know what to do. And you go, you swallow that one. You go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So, and you go home and go, my God, I can't believe that my neighbor talked to me like this. Ah, ah. But then you go to sleep, you wake up, you forget about it. But that bug stays behind your head. Maybe... You saw, you're driving by, you saw somebody talking to someone like that. And you go, man, what if that was me? 
who think God is not me, man? Ah, forget about it. But that bug stays in there. Maybe you saw in a movie a scene and you put yourself in that position. Man, what if that was me? What would I do? And that stays stuck on the back like an advertisement deep yeah. inside your head. It doesn't make you go learn martial art right away. But then a friend of yours come up to you and go, hey, man, there's, a, there's this martial art over here. They're great, man. They can defend themselves. I saw them fighting a sumo wrestler, six foot eight, 490 pounds, and he subdued the guy without hurting the guy. It's unbelievable. Man, let's go check it out, man. It's a good exercise. You're going to get in shape. And you go, okay, I'm going to go for that so I can get in shape. But in reality, it's because something happened or you saw something and that bug stays hidden inside your head. Most people don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think that's true. I'd like to be able to defend myself. You never know what's going to happen in the world these days. Look at all the craziness of the last uh, two, three years, especially. Look at what's going on in Europe, you know, the war in Ukraine and you, you never know. Civil society can break down. There was a time during the pandemic, I walked into a store and, um, you know, you were only supposed to have one person at a time in there. And this woman was in there with her boyfriend. And then she comes out and she starts screaming at me. And I wasn't very, very polite to her. I said, ah, fuck off, bitch. You know, not very nice. But, you know, you shouldn't talk to a lady like that. I know that. But I was pissed off. You know, and then her boyfriend comes out, gets right in my face and goes, you know, you shouldn't talk to a woman like that. And I'm like, is this going to be a fight right now? You know, and I'd taken a course on self-defense, but it was a course, you know, designed if your life was in danger. So the things they taught me to do were to, to hurt the guy. You know what I mean? Like stomp on his foot, break the bones or hit him in here in the apple. Like, I, I don't want to go that far over this. It's crazy. Right. And it would be good to have some skills that are somewhere between hurting the guy and defending yourself. So it would be good. Plus discipline is very good for me. When I do things that involve discipline, I feel more self-confident everywhere in my life. So those are the reasons I would want to do something like jujitsu. Some, something like this happened. Even if you are, let's say a world champion in boxing, either you hit the guy, break his face and he's going to sue you and come after you. You see, or you're gonna you know what you can do, and you're gonna go to ma'am, excuse me, just go on with your life. Martial art teaches you that kind of patience, that kind of you're more tolerant to people. They come out and shout at you, you just look at them and smile. And go, I know what I can do. <laughs> really? Listen, if you really want to fight. Step outside, wait for me in the parking lot. I'm going to do my shopping. I'll be right out to do, deal with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they go, oh, my God, what's wrong with this guy? Something's not right. Something's up there. He's like, he's telling me to my brother many times. People came out and shout at him. He pulled out his business card and give it to the guys and go, listen, if you want to really want to fight me, come by the school. I'll be there anytime. Just show up. We'll do it over there. And they grab the card like, oh, with that kind of invitation, they change like, it's such a confidence. They kind of change. Didn't need to fight. The guy's just like, oh my God. It's like, what kind of confidence? What is this guy's going to do to me? It's like, oh wow, I just escaped from a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's incredible. That That's, uh, 
you know, I appreciate you sharing that with me. That was very helpful to me. And I think it'd be helpful to a lot of people listening to the show too. I think it's great. Um, Royce, what kind of advice would you give to somebody today who is, um, you know, wanting to be the best version themselves, able to take care of themselves physically, um, but also, like you say, needing to be calm mentally so they don't get into stupid situations like I almost got into during this lockdown situation. What would be your advice? I went to teach um, the Army Rangers a long time ago. I went to teach them my first day over there. The, at the time, he was a lieutenant colonel. And he called me in his office halfway through the, the day. I went to meet him. He's the one who hired me. And walk in, nice to meet you, nice to meet you. He look at me flat out and goes, my soldiers will never use this. I was like, so without all the respect, sir, it's like, uh, why did you hire me? He goes, I want you to teach them confidence. I want you to teach them confidence that they can drop out all their weapons, all the equipment, and go across any field and duke it out with anybody. Fair enough, I can do that. But back then, the war was so far away from each other, they would never get hands to hand. Years later, the war changed and they became close quarter combat. They're right inside, getting into the house instead of shooting each other from far away. They get like foot on the door. I met with a group of Navy SEALs and they said, Royce, the last tour, we knock out and choke out more people than we shot. So martial arts give you the confidence for this kind of stuff. About a healthy living with the martial art, we have what we call the Gracie diet. The Horion, my older brother, again, <laughs> he's the one that started the Gracie diet. I mean, my uncle Carlos started the Gracie diet and He's the one that created that. And Horton now is following the Gracie Diet very much and teaching people about the Gracie Diet. Gracie Diet is not exactly a diet. It's more of an eating habits. We can eat everything. We just combine the food towards an easy digestion. So you have to avoid getting sick, to avoid getting a cold, a simple cold. If you think about it, when do you get sick? You get sick when you're working extra hours and you're working out and, and the house that you put it for sale, the car you put it for sale is not selling and the money that you expect to come in, everything is stressing you out and the kids are having problems at school and, and it's everything's happening. And then you sit down to eat a heavy meal and, and after you eat that heavy meal, one of those meals that you sit down and go, I think I eat too much. Oh my God. I can't even breathe. I need to, I need to go take a nap. And you lay down, take a nap, and you wake up and you're sick. And what do you do? You blame, you blame, uh, you blame the, the air conditioning. You blame the cold weather outside. You blame if you're in the hot weather, you blame the hot weather outside. So it's all, but besides you, instead of looking at yourself and looking at the food, what you ate because your body was running such a low uh, uh, immune system already because you're so stressed out and working out and doing everything, sleeping little. And so, and then you eat that hard meal to digest. 
all the little energy that you have to go digest the food, zero. It goes down to your stomach to digest the food. Now you have no energy whatsoever. And that's when you get sick. Hmm. So mixing those, the, the, the discipline and living health. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Never did. You see, um, eat relatively very healthy. So out of three meals, two meals at the house is fruits for us. Easy, clean, easy to digest. I'm not going to live longer, but I'm going to live healthier. <laughs> I'm not exactly, I don't expect longer than anybody. I just healthier. I, I, um, I don't drink or smoke either, and I never have. Uh, and I think that's fantastic. Um, it's, uh, it's a good way to live, and I agree with you. Um, I had a, um, a gentleman on my show. His name is Dr. Anthony Martin, and his family has been um, teaching people good eating habits in Canada for over 100 years. They have a clinic in a in a town in northern Ontario called um, Sudbury, which is a you know smallish town. They um, they're famous for mining nickel and copper over there, uh, and they've had this clinic there. But they they have a podcast, and they talk about nutrition and eating. So I had him on the show to talk about it, and he's he has some very strong opinions about how to eat and what to eat and all that good stuff. Um, he's a big fan of eating eggs, meat, and cheese. That's his big. Uh, uh, big push. He thinks people eat too much bread, too much rice, too much carbs, and he thinks they need to eat less of that and more eggs, meat, and cheese. Um, it was on very. The grace, on the grace diet, we can eat everything. We just combine. We don't eat pork. We don't drink soda. We don't. But that those are stuff that we we avoid. We don't eat at all. But everything else we can eat. We just combine towards the easy digestion. So give me an example of like, let's say for dinner, what would be a good dinner on the Gracie diet? Example, a typical American meal, a burger with French fries. Either I eat the potatoes, the fries, potatoes, or the bread. The bread, we don't mix two carbs. So if okay. I eat the potatoes, oh, yes, of course, eating the fry, would have, it's not that good, but it's passable. So I would prefer to eat the bread and but I'll skip the fries. Man, that makes some typical dinner at the house over here. Would it be acai? How many pound acai? Acai berries the, the frozen with a little bit of cream cheese, some yeah. coconut water, honey. So it sounds nice. That sounds very tasty. It sounds very healthy. Oh, oh a pear, pear juice. Cut up some ripe pears, very ripe pears, three, four of those, put in a blender with, again, a little bit of cream cheese, a um, little bit of coconut water, and uh, ice, and honey, or dates. Dates. I'm from and Iran, man. We love dates. Iranian dates are the sweetest, uh, most beautiful dates. If you get them like made in Iran... Uh, I guess they don't come into the States. We still get them in Canada, but they're fantastic. I love dates. Uh, I have to be careful not to eat too many at once. They're too tasty. <laughs> you know, I could eat the whole box. I should only eat like two or three. 
It's actually good for your digestive system. Yeah. It's your system. <laughs> yeah, dates are very, very good for digestion. There's, that's very true. No, man, uh, uh, I'm, I'm learning a lot of good stuff about nutrition. I'm learning a lot of good stuff about uh, uh, taking jujitsu, which I think is good. Uh, you know, I learned about the, the mindset uh, that it takes to win. I really appreciate the story that you you shared with me. Um, so I wanted to ask you just a, a, a couple more questions before we wrap up. Um, let's say, um, you know, there's a young man today in the world and he's um, trying to figure out his his way in the world you know what i mean he's trying to figure out which direction he wants to go in and today there's a lot of young men that are a little bit confused in the world you know what i mean um uh many men in america today they're just not sure how how to be a man how to be going forward as a man and i know this is a podcast for business but uh i have two young sons i'm wondering what kind of advice would you give to these young men as they're trying to figure out how to how to figure out what their place and purpose in the world is? I think it's missing a lot of guidance from parents. So with my kids, for instance, I wanted them to be professional athletes. So what I did from a young age, I started sponsoring them. What do you mean sponsoring them, boys? Um, every time they go to a soccer game from young, young age, you're talking about five, six years old, they go to soccer, they go to soccer practice. I pay for it. I'll give them, let's say, a dollar per practice. I'll pay for everything. Plus, when they come home, I'll give them a dollar. And then the week, how many practices you had? Five soccer practice or three soccer practice and two swimming practice. That's five dollars right there. For every competition they go, they get ten dollars just to show up. Even if they're on the bench, they get ten dollars for every game, for every meet. If they score the first goal of the year, the first home run of the year, the first sub. Uh, win in basketball, the first gold medal in, in the swimming, the first first place in swimming, and everything else from there on, on track. The first one, they'll get $100. After that, they'll drop to an extra 10 bucks because if you're not, you'll break the bank. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, what I'm teaching them is I want them to be a professional athlete. So I'm teaching them the value of money and sponsorship. I'm their sponsor. If they in soccer, if they get a yellow card, I'll give them $10. A red card is $20. Now you should ask me, hold on. Why are you paying for a yellow card and for a red card? That's confusing. You're rewarding him for getting kicked out of the game. Well, the way I think is reverse psychology. He's a, if he gets kicked out of the game, he's already down. He already, no kid is going to play to get disqualified, to get kicked out of the game. But if he, I don't want him to play soft and let the other kids beat him up. So if don't get caught. If you do get caught, it's my red card. 
I'll buy it from you guys. That goes for the entire team. <laughs> the coaches hate. <laughs> <it. laughs> There's kids that remember that until today. They go back. Remember that day I got a red card and I was walking out of the field and point out to the stairs, Mr. Gracie, you owe me 20 bucks. <laughs> like I got you. <laughs> I love it. It'd be like, it's like I'm teaching them. They already my father used to do this to us back in Jiu-Jitsu in Brazil as a kid growing up. Let's say if you win, you get uh, $20. If you lose, you get $50. You get $40. It was like, whoa. So do I want to lose to get more money or do I want to win and get less money? <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, if you win, you get 10. If you lose, you get 20. It's like, I'm not rewarding his loss because he's already feeling bad. I don't want to step on him. You feel you lost, so you're going to lose everything now. No, no, no. But the one that won got less money. So reverse psychology a little bit we're using. I like this. My sons, I have a 16-year-old son and a 14-year-old son. Um, I'm going to start paying them. Uh, my 16-year-old son, he plays uh, he plays uh, soccer, football. He um, he plays uh, he plays on the on the at the back. He was uh, uh, right back and center back. And my my 14 uh, year old son, he plays hockey, Canada, right? So <laughs> um, it's it's if, good. If if he play, if he would have played goalie, he's goalie. My youngest son is goalie. If I'm a goalie, but then, then I'll never have a chance to score. That's not my problem. <laughs> That's not my problem. I'm paying for the for the for the for the goal for the first win of the season. I'll pay you a hundred. But after that, hey, then you can for a goalie, I want to make a different deal. I was like, hey, for every penalty kick, but there's no penalties. Well, that's not my problem. But if there is a penalty and you save, you get an extra 20 bucks. <laughs> that's Sorry. But you get paid just to show up for the game. That's good. You make deals like this to teach them how to become a professional athlete. Yeah, eventually, like eventually, on the end of the week, I'll give them. You pay whatever. You just make it a deal. It's, it's a deal that we're going to make. it. You're gonna, I'm guiding them to become a professional athlete. I'm going to do this. This well, is very smart. The same token. You see, because I want my kids to be professional athletes. So on the same token... I told them after a while, I told them when they got a little older and start to, hey, here's a hundred bucks. Open up a, 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 an account on the stock market and start to play with it. So if you lose, it's my money you lose. But if you win, after you double your money, pay back my hundred. <laughs> and then you keep yours. Of course, I never told them Dad, I got the money. <laughs> you can keep it. <laughs> I love it. I think that's 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 amazing. That's fantastic. I learned something very valuable for how to guide my sons. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> you're you're an amazing man. It's a, it's an honor to uh, get to spend this time with you. Thank you for uh, sharing your wisdom and sharing your story with me and with my listeners. Um, we like to end off by asking every guest 
for their best three pieces of advice. We call them expert action steps. Um, so what, what would you say are your best three pieces of advice for my listener to live a better life? Hmm. There's a lot of tough people out there. There's a lot of talent people out there. But without discipline to get up and do what you got to do, you're not going to stay on top forever. So you have to have discipline. Talent goes away. Toughness goes away. So you have to have discipline. Based on that, everything is possible. Everything is possible. Again, you just have to have discipline. Because without discipline, yep, you can be as tough as you can want, but that goes away. Age will catch up to everybody. Yep. Talent, yeah, that goes away too. You have to get up and practice. Yeah, I look at myself to... in the mirror and I go, who is that old guy? <laughs> A young man. <laughs> and be open mind to learn new tricks. There's always somebody out there that can teach you something new. When you think you know everything, you run into somebody that sometimes even a little kid. You're talking to a little kid, they'll go, wow, unbelievable. <laughs> you're asking them questions, they'll come up with all kinds of solutions. So you got to have discipline. you got to be open-minded to learn. And what's the last one? I already said it. Everything is possible. Everything's possible. Okay. All right. I thank you very much for your time. I thank our, our mutual friend, Ernest, for connecting us together. Really appreciate it. Uh, when the show is out, I will send it to you. Um, and uh, I hope that you enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed it. Thank you again for your time. God bless you, Royce. Keep doing what you're thank doing in the world, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.